This is an interview with Zoth, singer and guitarist, Tyler Splurgis by Nick Perkel on August 9th, 2020. Now, can you give me an introduction on yourself? Hi, my name is Tyler Splurgis, or Tyler Sturgill is my real name now. Um, I live in Seattle and have for 10 years, and I've been playing music with Zoth and teaching guitar there while I've been there, and uh, yeah. Now, what was it like growing up in Idaho, and tell me about your early days as a musician. So, you know, there wasn't too much of a music scene uh, in Idaho back then. There was some, so we uh, kind of stuck together with who we met, and like a lot of the concerts were in, you know, uh, houses or alleyways, and not a lot of shows in actual venues. So then I started playing guitar when I was about uh, 11 years old, right after the I finished the fifth grade, and um, I was really into you know, punk music like Bad Religion and The Offspring, and I liked kind of new metal stuff and kind of Roadrunner Records bands like Fear Factory and Slipknot, and those were the bands I really worshipped back then when I first got a guitar, and then uh, it kind of all went from there, yeah. What is it like being a part of the Seattle music scene now? Uh, it's good. So it's it's changed a lot in the last 10 years as certain venues close and open. But I think overall it's probably better now. And um, there's more fans and more people are going to shows. And yeah, it's been uh, pretty good recently. Well, before everything happened and there's no concerts now. But up till then it, had, it was getting pretty good and... Uh, there's lots of great bands up here, lots of great people, and uh, yeah, I like it a lot. What were some of your favorite things you picked up from being at Musicians News to do in L.A.? It was great just being able to learn from so many great teachers of different styles and kind of like grow my appreciation of different genres and learning to play, you know, not just shred metal, but jazz funk you know folk just anything you wanted and kind of roll this all up into you know your own kind of music that was great and then just meeting so many uh peers that were just so dedicated to their craft whatever instrument they were doing and just being inspired you know living that and breathing music 24 7 for two years straight was great and also just Coming from Idaho, where not a lot of tours came, and all of a sudden living in LA, where like every metal show <laughs> happened, there were just so many. It just blew my mind being able to see uh, all these bands I never got to see growing up. So it was like paradise <laughs> at the time. Now, I remember you were in an amazing death metal band called Falgaron. Can you tell me about some of your favorite memories of the band? I started that band with my roommate. And at Musicians Institute, Ian, the drummer, and then we met um, our bass player also at Musicians Institute. Um, some of my favorite memories were we were recording our first EP in Riverside, uh, California, renting a U-Haul van and just sitting in the cargo with all the gear, sweating because it was like 100 degrees, no air conditioning. And just uh, setting up at this studio called Love Juice Labs. And uh, it was the first studio I'd ever been in. 
that was you know not a tape track at my friend's house so doing that first recording was really amazing and kind of cool progenitor to everything else um and then we played a lot of cool concerts like we got to open for like ale storm and tear and like nun slaughter all at the knitting factory in la and those are still the biggest crowds i've played to more than any i've done in zother in seattle just because a lot of people live in la so that was just like sold out venues and that was just really cool to experience that large of a crowd and then just like uh that was all the, the first touring i did was in that band so getting out on the road for the first time and you know booking my own tour uh, was really great and just kind of cutting cutting our teeth in that project and made lots of mistakes as well but yeah i really liked recording and getting out on the road for the first time with that band for sure how far back do you and your bandmates go in south uh, i met jeremy our drummer probably 2010 2011 as he played bass in this seattle metal band called shaded enmity we kind of were acquaintances i didn't even know we played drums till years and years later um he was the first one i met and then i met our other guitar player woody uh, we actually used to work together at the school of rock in seattle and i met him in 2012 and uh when falgaron broke up we actually started a a cover band for two years there called Mid medieval eternity where we would do just mostly metal covers but from carcass merciful fate king diamond iced earth uh you know we would just do all genres of metal and just have the cool metal supergroup cover band uh and then i met ben at a medieval eternity concert i think it was the last one we ever played um so we played at the highline in seattle this is 2014 and it's after the show and this guy walks up to me he's like yeah that was good but you know you didn't play any dissection <laughs> and then we got to talking and he's like yeah i went to musicians institute and, and found out we had some mutual friends and got the chatting and then decided i told him we were trying to start a band and he said he plays bass so after hanging out all night laughing at the uh, area 51 arcade machine um yeah we became friends then and at that point i had met everyone in zoth yeah can you tell me the history of seattle's hail santa and do you have anything you'd like to say on the possibility of a show this year yeah so it was 2010 i had recently moved to seattle i'd been there for about a year and i just had an idea to do a a metal christmas show just for fun and <laughs> see if people liked it and uh it was never planned to be a fest or a annual thing or anything so i uh, put the first one on at this place called the josephine i think it was uh just four or five bands and it was really good and people really liked it and uh we kept asking you're gonna do it next year you're gonna do it next year and so I decided to do it again and again. And so the first uh, five years were all at kind of smaller local venues, um, DIY kind of places. And it was all, you know, regional bands from Portland, Seattle, and other places around Washington and Oregon. After five years, it just started getting so big, like uh, the, 
the venue was getting mad at me because it was in the newspaper and it was getting too popular and <laughs> it could have like got them shut down because they were DIY. So I had to move it to the the High Line, which is like an actual venue. And then that was the first year I, I flew a band in. Those are my friends in Witch Haven. And that just that went off really well. So I decided to start you know, tying in bringing in some bigger bands with the local bands and kind of it just grew and grew so it was cool to you know bring a band like macabre one of my favorite bands of all time i just kind of on a whim emailed their booking agent and it's like would you be interested in playing and you know stuff happens and uh they played it and it just gotten bigger and bigger each year which is really cool i didn't ever, never expected that and uh, yeah, people really like it. So as far as this year goes, um, I don't have super high hopes of it happening. And so I'm usually start booking it around July, especially if you're going to bring in a headliner and have to organize all that. So I'd say if I do end up doing it, it would probably be smaller and just regional bands because I don't I'm not going to go through the stress of securing contracts and airline tickets and hotel rooms for uh, a headliner that might not be able to come. So we'll see, but I, I probably not at this point is what it looks like. Now, can you explain the process your band goes through to compose and record a song? Yeah. So typically the music goes best when I have uh, one of us or myself has an idea of kind of the theme or topic of the song. Um, just because like when writing, I like to visualize, you know, the story or whatever's happening there. Um, so really I, myself or with Woody or we'll get on a guitar pro and notate out the music in a rough form. I'll, uh, just kind of, yeah, tab it all out. And then we'll get together, learn the riffs, and then start playing it in our rehearsal space, see what works and see what doesn't from you know the MIDI programmed version of it and kind of take the computer version and alter it and give it that real life uh, band practice setting. And uh, yeah, sometimes it takes uh, a long time. Can take over a year to finish a song because we'll get we'll get writer's block and just move on to the next thing and Sometimes we'll go back and be able to finish it and become something good, and sometimes we throw it away. But yeah, there's a lot of notating at home, writing between Woody and I, and then bringing it into the practice space and playing with everyone. Now, you've put out three albums since 2014. Can you tell me a bit about each one, as well as how the spirit of your band has evolved with each release? So, Hostile Terraforming was the first EP and all the songs on that were kind of songs I had started writing before. Like I met everyone in Zoth. Um, they're kind of like post Falgaron songs. And, uh, you know, they just came in and we finished them all together. And originally I had planned on it being, you know, like Falgaron 2, and more of that kind of like folky epic metal kind of black metal style but it started to evolve into something more uh, technical and kind of space-like you could say um so that was the first ep and then invasion of the tentacube 
I think it's just kind of like a continuation of that one because um, we did re-record three of the songs for Invasion of the Tentacube that were on Hostile Terraforming. And that CD was, uh, that took a long time to write, you know, two years. And we recorded it in uh, Woody's basement and it was freezing cold. And it was just, uh, it was awful recording that album. It was so hard. Uh, so that was a real, real thing we had to persevere through. Um, so I feel like going into interdimensional invocations and having spent, you know, two over two years writing that, um, but we had learned a lot and kind of planned ahead before recording that one. And we just felt really um, secure and charged up to record that album. By then, we had kind of really figured out our sound and how we wanted to take it. So it kind of evolved from me leaning into my past more with Falgaron and those albums into this new evolved sound that really incorporated what I wanted to do, but we really meshed as a group and their voices came out stronger um, by interdimensional invocations, I'd say. And it shows it's very proud of that and happy with what they put into it as well. Now, can you point to any interesting songwriting techniques like the the use of arpeggios, experimenting with time signatures or avoiding palm muting to make this album sound unique? Yeah, really. So with, you know, techniques and stuff or when we learn yeah new techniques or new scales uh, or you know new ideas uh i kind of like to we like to incorporate that so if you learn this cool picking pattern or using these this arpeggio instead of just having that and you know running it as an exercise up and down in your bedroom we i like to turn that into music so that's how we incorporate a lot of techniques um so I really like using cool arpeggios and changing key signatures and, you know, modulating that. And that's really fun to mess around with. Um, as far as odd timing goes, there, the song the, the Ghost Hand of God is all in 7-8. And that was pretty interesting to uh, work on that song <laughs> and playing 7-8 at such a fast speed and writing solos over that. That was cool. And we made that track seven out of eight songs on the album, which is a cool little subliminal thing. Uh, and then palm muting. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of not palm muting and palm muting. And I think just uh, that lends itself to the dynamics and all that stuff. So I think, uh, yeah, just learning as you learn new techniques, you know, for anyone listening, if you, uh, you learn a cool arpeggio, try writing it, change your, the exercise you learned and, uh, change it up, try to make music with it. So I always look at technique as a tool to write music with, not as just to sit there and make you better. So. What kinds of things did you do for the updated version of Plague Revival on the new album that was originally released as a standalone single? Uh, so it's a little faster, I think like five BPM faster. I just I put a lot more effort into the vocals, I feel like. And uh, we just tried to get tighter performances overall and just our better recorded sound. Yeah, it was, it was pretty subtle, though. So mostly the speed and to the most important thing was doing the vocals better. I think I liked Unseen Abductor the best. Can you tell me how that song came to be? 
Yeah, so this will kind of tie into that uh, previous question about techniques. So I'd been really messing around with finger picking, like chord melody stuff, and uh, kind of like hybrid picking country sort of guitar licks. And I wrote the the second riff in that song. That's, I guess, like the chorus melody. You know, I just was like, I'm going to write a, a cool hybrid picked metal riff. So it all started with that, and then that riff kind of sounded spooky to me. And so I listened and I've, I've been a real enthusiast and fan of, you know, shows like radio shows like coast to coast growing up. And I always loved, you know, when we'd have those scholastic book fair, I was getting the goosebumps or the books about Bigfoot and stuff like that. The, the strange, mysterious paranormal stuff. It's just been a, been a hobby of mine. So there's this kind of, phenomena called missing 411 about people that go missing in national parks under strange circumstances and i was kind of like listening and reading a lot about that at the time and i was like oh that's a creepy riff and that's kind of goes together so kind of decided to write the song about you know, people getting snatched up in the woods and getting taken to black site labs and experimented on and kind of just expanded upon a you know use our imagination to write about that. So kind of that idea of the people going missing and, you know, the spooky riffs kind of, uh, really inspired that. So the vocals in that song, just a lot of frantic wailing and just try to really capture the terror that one might go through if you were abducted like that. So. What's your philosophy on mixing death metal vocals with clean vocals for this new album? So really, um, I feel like I kind of phoned it in and on previous albums and kind of limited myself and would almost think too hard, like, oh, if I do any sort of clean vocals and that, like, people might judge us. Or And then, as you know, you get older, you realize that's absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, some of my favorite bands are, you know, Fear Factory, who always had big clean choruses or Killing Joke that mixed you know, yelling and clean vocals. And I'm a pretty big power metal fan. I, I love Manowar and I love heavy metal, like King Diamond and uh, Falconer and Halloween and all that stuff. Not that we're doing that yet, but so I decided just to not really put any boundaries or preconceptions on the vocals on this album and just try to do you know, whatever we felt like. And, um, as far as like really clean singing goes, it's kind of like a mix. It's kind of like harsh clean singing on this one, I'd say. But I would like to, if I can get better at singing, um, you know, we'll definitely put more and more of that on more albums going forward. So I figure just no reason to limit yourself and just do kind of high pitched black metal vocals forever. So we worked really hard on the vocals. It took longer that's that's what took the longest to record out of anything we spent a lot of time on this album and compared to previous ones and i think it really helped out and is very happy with the product of that please tell me your experience on contributing to 2018's self-titled blood etchings album with uh your bandmate woody okay so that was um our good friends Seraph and Phil that played in that band and I have been playing shows with them for a really long time since 2009-2010 as in not playing with the band but you know our bands would play together and 
uh, they just had a lot of lineup troubles and would record and then people would slack off and then the recordings would be no good. And, um, they just asked us to play with them and we decided, yeah, we'll do it and help you get the record done. So it was cool. Like learning someone else's music and getting kind of to embellish on it and help record. And that was a very fun little project we did. Final words. Final words. Um, so right now, you know, the world's on hold. We are slowly working on writing another album, kind of planning how to exist in this new world. And I just want to say uh, we really appreciate the continued supports and really just blown away by how much people loved Interdimensional Invocations and uh, very humbled by it. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everything and hope everyone stays dicks in there and is safe and you know, be with your family and your friends and yeah, take it easy. Treat each other well. This has been an interview with Tyler Splurgis by Nick Perkel on August 9th, 2020. Hey, this is Tyler, guitarist and vocalist for metal band Zoth, and you are listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium.